0: I just wanted to say that um, I felt led this week to change the message um, and start our Acts series one week later. Uh, I was praying about it, and I just felt like because of the launch of the St. Paul campus, I did not want to launch them on a week, like week two of the sermon series. Remember, one one church, multiple locations. So uh, we're postponing Acts for one week, and uh, this would really be kind of step into the yes message four, even. I just feel like this one adds on to it. And uh, I want us to be praying for the St. Paul campus, and then we'll start Acts next week with them. And uh, really, we're one church, multiple locations, so we're going to do this together. But I do want to tell you to start your reading of the book of Acts. Okay, read the book of Acts. I want you to do that. Uh, In addition to whatever our Bible reading is that's going on right now, I want you to read the book of Acts. I believe it's a chapter a day for 28 days. We're going to look at the book of Acts and see what could happen. We're going to be praying, God, do it again do it again. Let's see something spectacular take place. Um, So today, uh, this message really adds on to the step into the yes, and uh, it came from me reading the Bible. Um, I I started the year out and I said, I want to read the whole Bible through. God, I'm just going to read the Bible through because I'm a follower of yours, because I love you. I'm not looking for any sermons, and, and many times when I do that, some of my best sermons come out of that. All of a sudden, it just, I can't write fast enough. And so I just said, I'm just going to read the Bible and do that. And I got to Genesis 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Genesis 15, I got there and I got stuck on a verse, a very obscure verse. And uh, when I got stuck there, I just meditated on it. And all of a sudden, this sermon came out of it. And uh, so I'll start with the story in Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, God calls a man by the name of Abram. He later changes that man's name to Abraham instead of just father, it's father of many. All right, so God changes his name. He starts with this man, Abraham, and Abram, and he says, hey, I'm calling you out of this place and I'm bringing you in a land that I'm promising you and, and, and I'm, I got all these great promises for you. All right, and so God is about to start the Jewish people. He said, I've got this great promise for you, Abram. And in Genesis 15, it says this. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Now, the Bible tells us in, verse, or in chapter 15, it says that Abram like, argues. He's like, God, I understand you say my name's gonna be great, but I don't have any children. And if I don't have any children, I don't know how my name will be great. And he said, maybe it's supposed to be through my servant. He's like, no, it's not. It's not. And in verse 5, it says, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then in verse 8, it says, "Um, but Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I'll actually possess this? It's a good question. You give me a good promise, how can I know that I'll get there? And the Lord told him, bring a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these things to him and killed them. He cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Now let me just stop for a moment. That's kind of gruesome. Let me explain it. They were entering into a covenant, a covenant relationship required that something would be sacrificed, and then in, in the Old Testament days, which we don't do anymore, but in the Old Testament, they would take an animal and they would cut it in half, and they, would, and they would actually walk a figure eight around the animals, okay? They would walk a figure eight around the animals, the two people making the agreement, and they would say, if either of us doesn't live up to our agreement, let it be done to us what was done to these animals, like, we are serious. This is a covenant that we're doing. Which, by the way, I mean, I don't want to chase this rabbit, but in marriage, do you know that the, when we have that middle aisle and you walk down the middle, you know what that walk is called? It, that aisle, it's called the walk of death, huh? Because you're dying to yourself and you're coming into a covenant relationship and you're saying the two will be one and you have two sides, the, the bride side and the groom side. You're walking down the middle and you're saying, we are entering into a covenant, Okay, so that's, they're having this covenant moment. And so this is happening there. And it's verse 11. Here's the one I got stuck on. It says, some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. I won't stop there, but that's the verse, okay? And then, and then it says, as the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came down over him. And then in verse 13, we have God give him a prophetic download. Here's all the things that are gonna happen to you. Here's what's gonna happen to your descendants. Here's what's gonna happen. And, and I'm gonna work it all out. It's gonna look dark sometimes, but it's gonna come around. And then in verse 17, it says, after the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I've given this land to your descendants. So I see that story, and I see this, that God has called Abram to do an amazing thing. God's called him to step out. He said, I've I've called you. I've got all these promises for you. And I believe this. I know that it's not as spectacular, but I believe when God speaks to us, maybe he spoke to you and your yes that you're supposed to step out to. He spoke to you. There's something he's saying, hey, I've got a promise for you. And you're like uh, cautious. You're like, I'm stepping into my yes. I'm doing this. I don't know, God. How is it going to happen? And God's like, it's going to happen. Trust me, it's going to happen. And God makes this call with him. And then there's that verse there that says, some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. And if you know about my mind and how I think, and I got stuck, I just got stuck on that verse. And I was like, why is that there, God? That is like a filler verse. Like, why does that need to be there? And I mean, I don't know about you, but like sometimes I, I know that every word is inspired, but there are, how many know there are just some verses in the Bible you're kind of like, why is that there? Yeah. You know, like, okay, I got one for you. Acts chapter 20, verse eight, Paul's preaching and Luke says this to us. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. <laughs> it was a well-lit room. Thanks, thanks, Luke, really appreciate that. I just, the insight, the breakthrough I got from that, you know, <laughs> Genesis 12, 11, Moses writes this. He says this about Leah and, and, and Rachel, Leah. He says, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. I was like, thanks, Moses, kind of creepy. All right, you know, I mean? it's just, I, it's extra, I'm just saying. But there's, there's other ones, like, I, I got a list, you know. Uh, the, my favorite, though, when I was a kid, Judges 3, 17, um, it talks about this guy, Ehud, who, who goes to take out the enemy, Eglon. And, and it says this in Judges 3.17. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was very fat. Okay? So this is a big guy. And then these, these are the best. For, if you're a kid in study school and you hear these verses, you're like, these are not filler. These are fantastic. All right. Verse 21 and 22. Ehud reached with his left hand, drew out the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank into the blade, into his bowels, and they discharged. Ehud didn't pull the sword out because the fat closed in over it. You're like, thank you for TMI. That is awesome. (laughs) Okay, so I just thought like the vulture thing was like fat extra, you know, I don't know. But I got stuck there. And so I started meditating. God, why is that there? Why is that there? Why is that there? Why is that there? There's not a throwaway verse in the Bible. Why is that there? And all of a sudden, I just felt the Holy Spirit say this to me. He said, whenever you're going to make a sacrifice, there's going to be vultures trying to steal away your sacrifice. Oh, good. Abram, he's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for you, God. This is for your glory. I'm stepping into my yes. I am stepping into my yes. And all of a sudden, the vultures come in and they try to steal away that covenant. They try to steal that away. And I want to tell you, I don't know what God's called you to do, but the enemy will try to steal away your sacrifice. You can't let them. You can't let them. And I will tell you this, whenever you step out in faith, whenever you're saying yes, whether it's, I'll give many examples today, but whenever you step out into your yes, whenever you step out in faith and trust God for what's next, there will always be an enemy, a vulture trying to steal it away. And you don't see him at first. How many know that the day you make the commitment, the Holy Spirit's like, that's you, that's you. Step out, say yes. You're gonna teach that class. You're gonna lead that life group. You're gonna step out in faith and tithe. You're gonna be king. You're you're just kind of like, you know, this is what it feels like when the church is al- I mean, no, know, you're like, the best is yet to come. You're even singing like, ain't no stopping us. And I mean, you're just like, you're just singing. You feel good. But all of a sudden you just know it's like, what is that? And you whew, something starts flying above your head and it starts threatening you. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened? And I'm just going to tell you the vultures will start coming. Because you've stepped out and made a sacrifice. Everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else, and you're saying yes to God. There's a sacrifice involved, and the enemy knows if he could snatch that seed away, you will be defeated. And he wants you to live into a no, and he's going to try to defeat you, and those vultures start circling around, and you have to learn how to fight away the vultures. If you're going to live a life of obedience to God, if you're going to be the Christian that he's called you to be, there will always be vultures trying to steal away your sacrifice. And I want to point out a few of them. The first vulture you have to overcome is the vulture of doubt. Everybody faces it. Everybody faces it. You, you step out. You think, like, this is amazing, and God's on the throne, and, and you're singing all those songs. You get in your car. You might even be going to eat, and already the vultures are circling. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? I, 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 I don't know. What was I? How, I and, the, and the vulture of doubt starts to try to steal away the, the just like, you're never going to make it. You're never going to make, I can remember when I started the church and I went to the first bank and I said, will you give me $15,000 for a loan? I want to start a church. And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, you're a bad bank. I went to the second bank, you know, hey, will you give me a loan to start a church for $15,000? No. Okay. You're also a bad bank. I went to the next seven banks were bad banks, you know, and they, nobody, and I'm just, and the, and and I'm thinking, I don't know if I heard God. I don't know if I heard God. I don't even, nobody wants, I don't know if anybody believes in this. And the vultures started circling around. Maybe you, you're in church and you, you hear a message on tithing. You want to honor God with a tenth. I had somebody just last week say to me, like, uh, we heard that here at church. We started. We didn't know. And, they, and he said, and it's working. It's working. But he said, but when we did it, I thought it was over. I'll never forget. Um, one of my best friends from elementary school came to River Valley Church, gave his heart to the Lord, growing as a disciple. He got to tithing and he's like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not gonna work. And for months, he's like, it's not gonna work. And his wife's like, I think we should do it. He's like, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. And finally, one day, he's just like, okay, God, we're gonna do it. And then he's like, oh, he couldn't breathe. And he's like, we're gonna die. We're gonna die. We can't do this. And he's going to work the next day, and he's thinking, like, I gotta back out. Like, this, uh, that's 10%. That's never gonna work. He goes to work, and they said, hey, come on into the office. He's thinking, there, I'm getting fired. There it is. You know, and the vulture, you know, and, and all of a sudden they said, hey, we just wanna let you know that there's been a 10% raise pending for you for like the last year. And we just noticed it today. And we we wanted to let you know that you're getting a 10% raise and we're going to give you all the back pay. And he's like, unbelievable. But the vultures were trying to steal away the sacrifice. You'll be like, ah, no. Okay. Don't let the vultures steal away the sacrifice. You know? It, 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 we're not alone when we think about the vultures like stealing away the sacrifice. I mean, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, here he is the forerunner for Jesus. And in Luke 7, he's wondering, like, he's telling his men, will you go talk to Jesus and find out if he's really the one? Like, I'm laying my life down on the line. I stepped into the yes to be the forerunner. I think he's the one, but will you go verify? Because there are vultures flying around. I think I'm gonna lose my head. I think I'm gonna lose my life. And I, I, I just gotta know. I just got to know, I need a word from God to silence these vultures and just, just, just verify for me. I mean, when I read the Psalms, I see David like, God, did you even care? Psalm 73, he's like, do you even care? The, the wicked are running around and they've got all these good things. And I feel like there are, are vultures ready to tear me to pieces. And that's, so when you're in that world, you're wondering, like even the disciples, they ask Jesus, they're like, we've left everything. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? We we said yes. We said major yes to you. Is it worth it? Matthew nineteen twenty seven is like, what is there? Is it, are you going to take care of us, man? That's it. That's that's what happens all the time, man. You step into in the story. It could be as simple as like you 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 go into um, nursery and you're like, God, I heard you. And then the first day you show up and those kids are screaming, they puke all over, you and you're like, Did I? I don't think I heard from you. you know? <laughs> Simple as if like you're an usher. You're like, I'm an usher for God. I'm going to be an usher. I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert, but I'm just going to point to seats. I'm going to do that. And the first week, you, they're ushering, and somebody comes in and goes, I want to sit there. You're like, ah, section closed. Section closed. And you're having a fight with somebody. You're like, oh, I didn't hear God. I, 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 you know what I'm saying? It could be simple. It could be big. It, it, it's just, you're just wondering. You're wondering, is it worth it? you got to learn to, to silence those vultures. How many? How many have ever heard a vulture? Have you heard a vulture? All right, I want to play this. I want to, I want, all right, I want you to hear, because how many know? You are going to hear this sound, and it's going to be the devil attacking I mean, it's going to be, but listen to this. This is what a vulture sounds like when, you know, just go ahead and play the vulture. Go ahead. Okay, that's good. That sounds like a T Rex and a cat had a baby. You know what I'm saying? That's like the devil. I mean, I, okay, now I know vultures are good. Don't come after me, but they, they eat dead. They they, I got it, I got it. But in this story, they're bad, all right? I'm serious, man. I've heard those vultures. I've heard those vultures, and you will too. When, I, when we started this church, Beck and I started this church, we had to hold our paycheck 12 different times. 12 different times where the church's going on and we get to the weekend. There's not enough to pay the payroll. I, I pay the staff, not me. And that week, I fast and pray. God, I I, I can't even get paid. We, we, I don't know what we're gonna do. And do you know what those vultures were just screaming? I could hear those voices. Just ah, ah, you're done. You're done, man. It's just you sit there. You you just wonder like, are we gonna make this? Are we gonna do this? How's this gonna happen? And I've I've, I've heard those vultures. And you've gotta you've gotta learn to silence those vultures. And here's the other thing: you can't speak vulture. I spoke vulture. When I was a a young pastor, I used to do this. We started the church and, you know, it would would be a bad week and, you know, maybe low attendance and low offering and maybe somebody was mad and they quit. and, And you're just like, oh, man. I'd go into staff meeting and I'd be like, we're doomed. I literally said that. I'd go into staff. This is how I started my staff meeting. We're doomed. I mean, I can't imagine... Those four, three, or four, or five staff that are all bivocational, and I'm like, we're doomed. And they'd be like, no, we're not, Pastor Rob. <laughs> I'd be like, we're doomed. I mean, and I w- if I could go back and do one thing over, I would go back and not let young Pastor Rob speak vulture. And I want you to know I forbid you to speak vulture. You cannot speak vulture. You cannot do that. You've got to be able to say, God, I know that my Redeemer lives. You've got to say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You've got to be able to say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You've got to say, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. You, you know, We're going to make it. You just got, you can't speak vulture. So church, you cannot speak vulture. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor right now and say, you can't speak vulture. Don't speak vulture. All right. Another vulture you've got to overcome is the vulture of delay. The vulture delay. I want to point this out from the text. These animals were living just a few moments earlier. Then he sacrifices them, and then the vultures show up. Because the vultures didn't show up while they were alive, because vultures don't show up when healthy, good animals are right there. If they were sickly, he would, they would have. But they were fine; they were alive, and so they were alive. He cuts them in half. Then the vultures show up, and there's a delay. And I would tell you this: in whatever you stepped out in a promise for God, it's going to take longer than you thought. Okay, it's just the way it works it's just, there's a delay that's there. I remember when I told Becca, when we started the church, I said, we're going to be a thousand in no time. Don't even worry. I mean, you got to work for one year as an accountant and, you know, then you'll retire and the church will be great. Don't worry. Uh, Ten years later, uh, Becca was still working as a senior accountant at Delta Dental out earning me and getting the health insurance for our family and all that. And finally, 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 the church was large enough that they, you know, were able to offer health insurance to the employees and do that. I mean, seriously, those delays over and over and over again. Let me, you start a life group and you're like, we're going to fill this living room. We should do an addition to the house. This, this, this knitting group is going to be amazing, I don't know. You're like this group's gonna be amazing, and 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 you're just like ah. And then how many know you started? And the only one that is there is you, your co-leader, your spouse, and your dog. And you're looking around the room, and you're like, maybe did they did they put the time right in the in the website? You know, and you're like, I thought it. uh," And then how many know? And then you could be defeated, or you could just say, Hey, come on. We're going to pray right now. and we're going, to, we're going to fight through this. We're going to go after it. We're not going to be defeated. You know, the delay. The, I really believe this life group has potential. We are going to stick with it. We're going to go after it. We're going to recruit. We're going to go. There's always, always, always delays. And I've learned this, that um, when it comes to saying yes to God and fighting the vulture of delay, time moves in dog years. How many know what I'm talking about? You're like, it's been a year, and it's been like three weeks, you know. And it's been for 10 years. It's been three months. It's just hang in there. Hang in there. Don't give up. When you're facing the delay, don't speak vulture, speak faith and victory. Don't be afraid of the delay. I, I'm covering so many different stories in the Bible, but this one is so good. In 1 Samuel 13, I'll give you the context. You can read it later if you want. First Samuel 13 Saul is king of Israel. He is supposed to wait for the prophet Samuel to make the sacrifice. And as soon as there's a sacrifice and they pray and they do that, he can go into battle. So, his enemy is starting to mount up against him, and it looks like the battle needs to start. And he's looking at the people, and he's afraid, and he's looking for the prophet. The prophet's not around, and he's, he's trying to figure it out. And I guarantee you, he's hearing vultures. Like, he's the people are like, Come on, man, it's time to fight the battle. And the Philistines are getting closer, and he's like, The enemy's getting closer. What am I going to do? And he knows he's not supposed to, he's supposed to just wait. He's supposed to wait, but instead, you know what he does? The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 13, he goes and makes the sacrifice, offers the prayer, and steps out of order because he was afraid of the delay. And in that moment, then Samuel shows up right after he does that, and Samuel says, what have you done? What have you done? Why? Are you, what are you doing? And he's like, well, the, the guy's were complaining, and the enemy was getting closer. I could hear him. And, 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 and Sammy's like, today you lose it all. God doesn't want a king that listens to vultures. God wants people that will wait on him in the delay and will learn how to defeat the vulture of delay. I'm just telling you, stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. You just stay faithful over and over and over. There's a, a delay. You got to fight it. I mean, David was anointed to be king twenty years later. Some of us are like, "I want to be promoted." Okay, David, twenty years to be king, promised, promise fulfilled. Twenty years. It just takes time. There's a delay. Now, I just want to tell you this, and I'm going to ask for your help as a church. Um, One of the things that pastors face, and this would be news to somebody like at the altar call, like the, the the longest time in the world is the time from when somebody says. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ, raise your hand right now. How many, like in, in that moment, the vultures are like, no one's getting saved. That's what's happening to a pastor. And even before you give the altar call and you say, if you want to give your life, the vultures are going, no one's getting saved today. Don't do the altar call. Okay, so I'm letting you in on this right now. And 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 I mean, early in ministry, when I would do an altar call, I, the vultures were so loud. Like if somebody would even flinch, I'd be like, I see that hand. You know what I mean? I was like, and, and the guy would be, you know, like, and the wife would be like, are you, you weren't saved? He's like, I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't, you know. I mean, and, and bless her heart, Maggie Cederberg, she's at our Eagan campus. She was in the church early on. And, and, and I'd say, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, raise your hand. And, and Maggie every week would raise her hand. And so then I'd, I'd, I'd I'm looking for a hand. So I'd be like, I see that ha- Hand. And afterwards, like after like a hundred times, I said, Maggie, you're, you're in. Like, like, you're saved, you know? And she's like, it feels really good. And she goes, plus it looks like it encourages you, you know? I, I was like, yes, Maggie, come on! So can we just agree as a church, like when an altar call is given, man, pray to silence those vultures. Those are the longest seconds in the world, and don't move around. Don't move around. Like, you know, altar call, we're out of here. We'll be, you know, don't do that. That's the most critical moment. Hang on with that and pray for your pastor as they're, they're fighting those vultures of delay. All right, there's uh, another one I want to get to. and uh, The vulture of the double cross. And if I, it, here's what I say. If it's in the Bible, it's going to happen to you. It's going to happen. It's going to happen in your world. If Jesus was betrayed, you can just count on betrayal. If if there's things that are, and I don't mean you're going to do every sin, I'm just saying it's going to be around you, okay? It's going to be around you. And there's going to be a a double cross that will happen, and it will cause you to feel like, see, I can't trust God. I stepped out in the yes, and then that happened. I, I started that company to raise more money for Kingdom Builders, and then my business partner went and double crossed me, and now I can't pay anything. See, it doesn't pay to step out into the yes. Okay, I'm going to tell you, you may be double-crossed. I've been double-crossed. I've been betrayed, but I've learned this. I can't let that derail me from my yes. I can't let that turn me into a vulture. I can't let that turn me into a bitter person. I've got to be able to say, God, I didn't expect that. It's not what I thought when I said yes, but I'm sticking to my yes, even though it went backwards. I got to trust you. And then I've learned this. I can't hold on to bitterness because bitterness oozes. I can't just be bitter towards somebody that double-crossed me and be happy towards my wife. And I can't be bitter towards them and happy towards my kids. Bitterness just gets in you and it oozes. So if you've been double-crossed, like you say, you know, I'm going to lead this with you. And then they, they pull out and then you're left leading the whole thing. You, you, oh, I, I shouldn't have ever said you. No, you can't do that. And you can't get mad at them. you got to be a, a quick forgiver. you got to let it go. And you cannot let a double cross steal your sacrifice. Now, the last one I'll close with is this, and it's switching gears totally. It would be the, the vulture of distraction. Don't let the vulture of distraction steal your sacrifice. It's not evil not even, these are good things that will try to steal the sacrifice that you've made. Success might come your way. And, and all of a sudden something might happen and all of a sudden a promotion comes your way and you've been so faithfully in the sacrifice that God told you to make. And then success opens up this opportunity and you don't even think about this over here. You just take it. And that success causes you to say, I, can't, I can no longer lead that. I can no longer do that. I can no longer be a part of that. And, and you didn't even ask God like, Will this, am I going to step away from my sacrifice or is this a new chapter? We don't pray. We're just like, oh, it's an opportunity. I've got to take it. I've got to take it. And success can steal away your sacrifice. Now, I'm sharing this in full vulnerability and I just wanted you to hear this. I love our church. I love, love, love what's going on. Okay, but eight years ago, eight years ago, River Valley's starting to grow. It's starting to hit some momentum and a church in California tried to recruit me away eight years ago, okay? Okay. And they sent me this pamphlet, and it was all about, here's how close we are to the ocean, and there's no snow in California, and, you know, here's your pay package, and all. I mean, it, it, was, um, it was amazing, full color, had the elders in there, and the Sunday school, and all, I mean, it was everything, trying to recruit me away. And I remember I put it down on the table that night, and it was like, wow, I mean, that was pretty amazing, and it's, it's California, you know? And I remember the next morning I got up and Connor and Logan were at breakfast and they saw the brochure there and they looked at it and I said, They said, What is that? And they said, you know, oh, it's a church in California. They're trying to get us to be pastor out there. And and Connor and Logan are super spiritual. But at that moment they were like, Yes, yes, California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, no, be quiet, you little vultures. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> Don't ever call your kids vultures, by the way. I didn't call them vultures. But here's the thing, it it looked amazing and it looked like what a great opportunity, but it wasn't my sacrifice. And I prayed about it and God said, I've called you to Minnesota. I've called you to River Valley Church. That's your sacrifice. And if I could just go down this road for just a minute, like, why is it that everybody's like, well, pastor, you should do that. But when it comes to people in the church, it's like, well, Walmart said i am got to move to this one and take that company and i got to take, or this company told me i got to move and I've got to do this or I hate Minnesota winters and I'm moving. Okay, well, how come i got to pray about it and our staff has to pray about it, but we shouldn't pray about his church? Does God have you here for a sacrifice or not? I'm just, I mean, let's, and, and again, sometimes the move is the right thing. And I'm not saying nobody gets to move up. I'm just saying, did we pray about it? Because I've watched people leave their sacrifice of the local church chasing something that was an opportunity and sacrifice their children. Okay, and I, I know I'm saying it always happened. I'm just saying when, it, when God's in it, you know. But when you're leaving your sacrifice or your busyness or your success or your opportunity or, you know, look at the story in Luke that talks about being invited to a banquet and they're like, sorry bought new oxen, sorry, got to take care of a new field, sorry, I got married. It was all, hey, great things that were stealing away their sacrifice. Don't let any great thing, don't, don't get married and say, now we can't serve God in the church. We can't, we can't do that anymore. Um, well, I mean, if you're leading a singles group and you get married, okay, you can let that one go, but okay, don't have children and say, now we have kids. Oh, no, we can't have no, These are great things that God has added to your life that will help add more value and help you be more effective. Don't let good things steal away your sacrifice. And as I close with this thought, I would just say this. um, You got to fight vultures. You have to fight them. You have to fight them. Um, They're going to try to to kill you. They're going to try to destroy you. Just stay alive. I have learned this by staying alive, by staying committed to God and saying, I'm going to live in my yes, no matter what, even if a vulture tries to steal it away, I'm going to live in my yes. I'm going to stay alive. I'm not giving up. Man, all of a sudden the blessings follow that stay alive. The second thing is look for a bigger plan. I don't have time to go into it, but in the prophecy, God's like, Abraham, here's what's going to happen. It's a bigger plan than you realize. Say yes to me. Stay faithful to your yes. Drive away the vultures. Man, stay yes. There's a bigger plan at work. See the bigger plan. And the last thing would be this, as you're realizing this, realize God has it under control. He knew what he was doing when he called you. He'll keep you and he will finish what he's completed in you. God, I pray right now that you'd help us drive away the vultures. Many people have said yes to you. They've said yes. I pray they'd step into their yes, live the yes, never walk away from it. And God, they would say, we will silence that vulture. I forbid them from speaking vulture. I pray they'd speak faith and victory. Whatever they said yes to you in the moment, they will live out every single day. No vulture will steal our sacrifice. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.